Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Friday, August 043-2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. In Riverside, temperatures will peak at 94.9 degrees today, with lows dropping to 64.4. Stay cool out there. On today's episode, we'll be diving into the historic court proceedings as former President Donald Trump enters a not guilty plea to federal charges in connection to attempts to overturn election results. Then we'll head south, exploring the alarming decrease of sea ice levels in Antarctica and the looming threats to its critical ecosystem. In the world of science and finance, we'll discuss the controversial new claims of a room temperature superconductor that have caused a blend of stock market fever and skepticism. Looking further back in time, we'll delve into a groundbreaking study that uses ancient DNA to help African Americans trace their ancestry. All this and more on Alex's News today. Stay with us. We begin with our top story today, involving former President Donald Trump, who pleaded not guilty to federal charges related to an alleged attempt to overturn the 2020 election results. For more on this groundbreaking case, we have our in-house reporter, Elias. Elias, this is a significant moment in U.S. history. Could you walk us through these charges and their potential implications? Absolutely, Connie. Trump is facing charges of conspiracy to defraud the U.S. government and conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, among others. Notably, some of these charges could see him facing a prison sentence of up to 20 years. This truly is a unique situation, as we've never seen a former president face criminal charges related to an alleged attempt to reverse the outcome of a national election. So the question burning on everyone's mind, what precisely are these charges based on? Well, Connie, it's alleged that Trump promoted false claims of election rigging, pressured officials to tamper with the results, and even constructed fraudulent elector slates. The indictment also implicates six co-conspirators, including legal professionals, a political consultant, and a justice official, which adds a new layer of complexity to the case. All these charges certainly add depth to this unprecedented case. Now, Elias, Trump was released without travel restrictions, but what happens next in this legal saga? The next court date has been set for August 28th, Connie. This will be a crucial moment as it is then that a trial date is expected to be determined. Trump's attorney pleaded for more time due to the extensive volume of material involved in the case, but the prosecutor is pushing for a speedy trial. This story is obviously headline news across various platforms like AP, Reuters, and the major TV networks. What's the public sentiment and how is this case being viewed from the outside? It's been a highly reported story indeed, Connie. The public sentiment is mixed, as you would imagine, in a highly polarized political climate. There are those who view the charges as an example of holding individuals accountable, regardless of their status. Others believe it's a political attack on Trump. This case also invites questions about the resilience of democratic institutions, the power one person can hold, and the mechanisms of accountability in our system. Indeed, Elias, this case truly is a first in American history, and it's safe to say the eyes of the nation, and indeed the world, will be on that federal courthouse. Thanks for your analysis, Elias. You're welcome, Connie.
We're moving on to our next story of the day. It's all about Earth's southernmost continent, Antarctica, and how its decreasing sea ice levels could have massive implications for our planet. To walk us through this, Grace, our expert environment reporter, is joining us. Grace, could you start by explaining the current situation? Absolutely, Connie. As reported by the New York Times, sea ice levels in Antarctica have been diminishing at an alarming rate, and this isn't an isolated problem. It ties in with the greater issue of climate change, which threatens a delicate balance in the ecosystem of the Southern Ocean, which surrounds Antarctica. And a significant player in this ecosystem seems to be krill, isn't it? Yes, the Antarctic krill happen to be a linchpin. They're a primary food source for species such as penguins, whales, seals, and fish. But the challenges of climate change and industrial fishing are threatening the krill population, thus putting the entire food web at risk. And what are some of the potential consequences if this balance is upset? Well, if the krill population declines, it would starve the species that heavily rely on them for food. A decline in numbers would lead to a chain reaction that could potentially contribute to the extinction of various marine species affecting biodiversity. Is anything being done to address these challenges? The Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources is indeed taking steps. They're working on a science-based plan to manage fishing activities, limit disruption to the krill population, and set up marine protected areas. It's all about striking a balance that ensures the long-term sustainability of this ecosystem. But there seem to be some hiccups in implementing these plans. Right, Connie. China and Russia have shown resistance to these measures, which brings in a political angle to this ecological crisis. It ultimately slows down the pace at which global conservation goals, such as protecting 30% of the ocean by 2030, are achieved. So what can individuals do in their capacity to help the situation? People can make conscious choices such as reducing their consumption of krill-based products, advocating for conservation efforts, or simply raising awareness about the importance of protecting the Southern Ocean and its species. And it seems this issue is just a part of a broader range of climate and environmental challenges? Yes, a compilation of climate news by the New York Times reveals interconnected environmental concerns. From the urgency of relocating coral samples due to marine heat waves in Florida, to activists' false claim of Mattel eliminating plastic use, sparking a much-needed conversation around sustainable practices in the toy industry. And it's not all doom and gloom, right? There are some resources for individuals to turn into eco-warriors in their own right? That's true, Connie. The news also provided guidance for living a more eco-friendly life, which could also save money. From home renovations and appliance upgrades to buying electric cars, the idea is to enable individuals to make choices that benefit both their wallets and the environment. It sounds like there's a lot more to this topic, Grace. But unfortunately, we're out of time for now. Thank you for shedding light on this subject. You're welcome, Connie. It's been my pleasure to discuss these critical issues. Thanks for staying with us. We're now on to our third story of the day, which is creating quite a stir. South Korean scientists are claiming to have discovered a practical superconductor that functions at room temperature. For some context, superconductors are materials that allow electricity to flow through them without any resistance. This potential discovery, if verified, could have significant implications for our power grids, energy storage, and even transportation. Our correspondent Ethan is here to help analyze this exciting news. 
Ethan, can you tell us more about this report? Absolutely, Connie. This has really set the scientific community buzzing. These South Korean researchers say they have synthesized a superconductor called LK99. They've managed this by introducing a few copper atoms into a common mineral known as lead apatite. Now, physicists are, interestingly, not dismissing this outright. They tell us there's no law of physics that directly prevents the existence of such room temperature superconductors. Interesting, so there's no direct dismissal. But skepticism seems to hover around these claims. What are the points of concern for the scientific community? One is that verification is still required. Several Chinese researchers have tried to reproduce the South Koreans' work, and their results have been mixed. But verification doesn't stop with replication. You know, Connie, we've seen promising materials crumble under rigorous testing in the past. And of course, there's been no comment from the South Korean research team that would clear things up. And this is all happening while there's a massive reaction in the stock markets, is that correct? Oh yes, it has been quite the frenzy. Stocks of companies linked to superconductors, such as Mobis and Duxung, initially soared. However, those prices tumbled once doubt set in and proof was demanded. The local stock exchange, the Korea Exchange, even had to issue warnings to investors about the speculative nature of these stocks and the risk of unfair trading practices. So, in the midst of all this, what steps are being taken to address the doubts around the South Korean scientists' claims? Well, the Quantum Energy Research Center in South Korea has been asked to provide samples for verification. On a broader scale, the Korean Society of Superconductivity and Cryogenics has set up a committee specifically to investigate these claims. They're expressing concern about how such unverified claims could impact the wider industry. So, Ethan, if these claims are verified, let's speculate a bit on the implications. How could such a breakthrough impact various applications, such as our power grids and computing chips? Well, Connie, if these claims turn out to be true, we're potentially looking at a momentous shift in various sectors. An efficient and practical room temperature superconductor could significantly improve power grids, possibly cutting energy losses to near zero. In computing, this could make chips faster and more efficient the transportation sector could see a breakthrough in electric vehicles and maglev trains. But again, all this is speculative and hinges on the success of the verification process and further data. Fascinating possibilities. Thank you so much, Ethan, for this insightful explanation. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on how this story develops. My pleasure, Connie. I'll be sure to keep you updated. Wrapping up our news for the morning is an exciting breakthrough in the world of genetics research. Scientists have employed ancient DNA to explore the ancestry of those who were enslaved in the United States in what is being referred to as a landmark study. Our reporter Chloe is here to delve more into this topic. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Connie. You're right. This is groundbreaking. Scientists from Harvard University partnered with 23andMe and conducted DNA analysis on individuals who were buried at the Catoctin Furnace, an old industrial iron forge in Maryland. The results were cross-referenced with the genetic data from 23andMe's customers, leading to the identification of nearly 42,000 living people, who share stretches of DNA with those buried at the forge. That's quite remarkable, Chloe. Can you explain why these findings hold significant implications, particularly for African Americans? Absolutely, Connie. The traditionally fragmented written records often make it hard for African Americans to trace their ancestors. But the process of comparing modern genetic data with ancient DNA provides a novel way to reconstruct their family histories.
We're talking about the potential to help individuals learn more about their own heritage and trace their lineage back to enslaved ancestors. That's pretty impactful, but I imagine it also brings up some ethical questions? Absolutely. It amounts to appropriately communicating these findings to the identified descendants, and it underscores the necessity of addressing ethical considerations in genetic research. The team behind this study is now working on delivering the information in a sensitive, respectful, and accurate way. This research is not just personal, but it also seems to contribute to our understanding of African American history as a whole? That's true, Connie. By looking into genetic relationships, ancestral origins, and even genetic health conditions of those buried at Catoctin Furnace, the researchers can provide insights into the lineage and experiences of enslaved African Americans. It also offers a broader understanding of African American and U.S. history, by providing clues about the African regions from which the enslaved people originated. Can you expand a bit on those origins, Chloe? Yes, the research showcased that the enslaved individuals buried at the forge descended from West Africa's Wolof and Mandinka peoples, and Central Africa's Congo people. Links between their DNA and current-day populations in Senegal, Gambia, Angola, and the Democratic Republic of Congo really highlight the root and spread of African people via the transatlantic slave trade. And how does this fit into the larger narrative of African diaspora history? It contributes to a deeper understanding of African-American ancestry, Connie. These findings enhance our understanding of the African diaspora history, cementing the connection between the past and the present in a tangible and meaningful way. A milestone indeed. Thank you, Chloe, for dissecting this complex study for us and its wide-ranging implications. It was my pleasure, Connie. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.